little bit of a liberal red letter. Um, <laughs> just you know what? You know what though? This is the thing. Uh, red, yellow, red, red leather, yellow leather. That's the only colors of the balls that they have. That's it what we're talking about. Yeah. Sense. That's what we're talking about here. Red, yellow, yellow leather. Oh yeah, you can do it. You can, you can do it, buddy. Sports fan, welcome to the cellar, and we're the cellar dwellers. I'm Sam, and say hi, Chris. Hi, how are you going? Welcome to the third episode of this fine 2015 vintage of Australian rules football. We're here to celebrate the very best of the worst in the league, uh, and it's really been a fine example of some pretty terrible football this week, wouldn't you say, Chris? I think it's been a, uh, a classic example, Sam. I think we've seen um, a few teams perform beyond um, their measure in terms of just how terrible they were That's over the week. Really, really plumbing the depths of their capacity. Mm, mm. Some, have set, been, some have set uh, new decade-old records uh, it's, this week. It's been great to see. Uh, mm. And as, as someone who loves terrible football, it's been a cracking year so far, and we hope it continues. Mm. So this week, we're going to give you a bit of an oversight of the race for the spoon. The bottom four teams of the league are really setting that race on fire uh, and some real surprises have come in. Uh, we're going to cut then to our decisive indecision of the week where we talk about who we thought did the worst job of coaching an AFL team of the week because we're really good at judging them. Mm. And finally, we think it's time to start talking about, well, if your team's this bad, things aren't looking that good for you later in the year. And so we're going to talk about, well, what does September mean if it's not finals football? And we're going to have some ideas there. But first things first, Chris, let's talk the race for the spoon. Oh, I'm very excited to talk about the spoon this week because leading off, uh, coming into this weekend, my, my tip sheet was not looking that good and it turns out it looks a lot worse. Uh, <laughs> so my, my I, status I, as an AFL expert has actually been confirmed, I think. Um, I'm, I'm really good at being really bad at AFL tipping, so I feel, I feel even more qualified. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, look, coming in uh, at, at 15th this week is the team that uh, everybody really did not expect to be there, um, which is uh, Port Adelaide Power. Now, they've, they've sunk to no wins uh, from two games with a percentage of 67.1. Oof. Yeah, Oof. yeah, it's not looking too good for them. Now, they have... They would, have you say had... that they've, would you say they've been overpowered? Oh, Oh, no! I think, I think they really lacked spark. <laughs> They're definitely not electrifying at the moment. No, a certain energy. <laughs> uh, look, I think again, there's been it's been spoken about a fair bit, but they they do have one of the toughest starts to the season. Um, got absolutely just destroyed by Sydney this week. Um, it was a fairly uh, powerful defensive display from the Swans, but really the power um, just could not get their game plan running soon. There was no free running for them. We we saw them play some beautiful football last year, distressingly good to watch uh, mm. when you're looking up from the bottom of the cellar. And <laughs> instead, it's much better to see them choking in decision-making, 
uh, unable to run free, confusingly mm. running into packs. And I actually <laughs> think they submitted to uh, Sydney's game plan in a way that they'll be very unhappy with looking at looking at it this week. I think they let Sydney uh, choke up parts of the ground but leave so much room in front of their huge forwards um, mm. and they really struggled defending them. I mean, uh, Sydney are going to cause headaches for a lot of teams, but Port Adelaide couldn't solve them this week. Well, um, it's, the, it's the old dichotomy of, is it, a, is it a team of stars or a star team? Um, and you get the feeling that um, Port Adelaide were a star team. They just had that um, period of time in their lives where everything clicked. Um, they had you know, some, some quite good players uh, come into the mix over the last three years. And it just didn't seem to gel at all for them. They... Um, they really just uh, they bubbled they look off. it. They bubbled yeah, they it. look. They look off. I think mm. just to get a bit statistical, the the forward line is obviously a real problem for them. They have mm. sixty two inside fifties for an unbelievably starvation level of meager fourteen scores. <laughs> um, that's almost impossible to do in modern NFL football. Well, almost, but Port Port, but did, Port prove did it. it. Yeah, uh, and uh, they are they are about setting. Setting new standards. So uh, their forwards the need AFL. to remember it isn't a volleyball game. You don't, the ball doesn't come in, and then you just let them knock it back over the other side, so your people can put it back in. Mm. Um, mm. I think there's some problems with them in the, in terms of the structure of their forward line. I think Paddy Wright is a very good addition, and they'll work the ways they'll work out the ways to to uh, bring out his his effectiveness in the game plan. But mm. then you've got Jay Schultz and Justin Westhoff as your sort of other big marking forwards, and they're all a bit the same. Uh, you can't really anchor many of them at full forward. Uh, you can't. Well, you can. You can do it. Let's be clear. Um, that is the option. That, that's the yeah. option that they took, uh, and not not so successful. Not against yeah. not against a team that's got a solid team. Def- solid team defense like Sydney will will stop a forward like that, a uh, forward line like that. And so I think they'll look out to to bring those players further up the wing, clear out the forward line a bit, maybe even move Robbie Gray to spend more to- time in the forward line as he did uh, in, in spurts last year. But they'll they'll need to do something because next week they've got North uh, and North. Well, maybe, they, quite... maybe they don't need to do anything. I mean, North um, looks like they're back to their... Their uh, 2014 Jekyll and Hyde impersonation because <laughs> they um, they turned on something of a display uh, on Sunday. They did, um, they did. But I just following I just want to some other kind of display back in round one. It so, was a, a absolute Jekyll and Hyde. So maybe they mm. maybe they get the bad side of North, but then they've got Hawthorne, and as much as Hawthorne were bested, they were that was a they still look the goods as as about as good as they did last year. So mm. uh, if Port Adelaide could realistically start out 0-4, at which point they'll be spending a lot of time on this podcast, and we'd be happy to talk about them, but uh, I don't think their fans would be. No. Um, uh, contrast to most usual fans, um, you know, do love to have their team down the bottom. They, um, and look, maybe, maybe Port are used to it by now. Um, they were... Pretty crap for a fair amount of time there. Yeah, turn um, starboard, turn starboard, captain. Towards the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> that is, I need to walk that one off. Uh, that is bad. Pe- people thought they would contend, but not for the spoon. Uh, uh, and I think, look, they got very close. They got Geelong close uh, in the prelim last year. Yeah. Um, and they. Uh, oh. I think they'll be okay. I think they're not on the bottom of the ladder yet. And if they pick up a win in the next two, then they can start to build from there. 
Yes, yeah. Well, that that does bring us to um, to sixteenth. To sixteenth, who do not look like getting a win. Um, no, no, no. Uh, uh, that's the Carlton Blues. Uh, I love that their nickname is the Mighty Blues, by the way, because pff, ironic. Very, very hard to tell why. Absolutely shredded by West Coast. Uh, Josh Kennedy. Uh, former blue in case you didn't hear about that during the broadcast <laughs> uh he did used to play for carlton he was not very good but it turns out he's great uh and he kicked more than a bag he kicked a suitcase yeah, against he, carlton yeah and a valise as well i think i think he did um, kick a valise of goals because he actually kicked more goals than carlton did Look, um now if you do include if you do include goals and behinds um Carlton do win by three points. So we, did out, we did outscore him. So <laughs> the only problem is that be, when you look at the other team members from West Coast, uh, they did kick ten additional goals. Oh, so <laughs> you're telling me that that's how scoring works? Yeah. yeah. Jesus, I just wanted to let me know before I got into them. Yeah. Uh, so they've looked very bad two weeks in a row. Um, they, they have looked. Yeah, they're not but the they only do, ones, but um, they, they do honestly look like the worst team in the competition. Though. I look, they. I think as far as potential goes, um, there's only one one team that uh, that somehow moved up a position on the ladder in spite of losing. <laughs> um, that do look that do look worse, which is Gold Coast, and they are luckily outside the our purview. They're out of the cellar. They're in the basement. Um, they're not in the, the potential relegation zone, but they did lose and move up a position. So um, good work. Good work, Suns. Keep on shining. Um, so Carlton, there, there were so many things that went badly for Carlton in that game. Uh, there was a bright start in the first quarter, and then somehow in the second quarter, West Coast became obsessed with kicking behind. Mm. But if they hadn't, you would have noticed much earlier on in this game that it was over. Um Carlton failed to score in the second quarter, and it wasn't. There was a couple of missed snaps. Uh, Andreas Everett sprayed one over the boundary line, but otherwise it was uh, uh, shockingly bad. There was really only some runoff halfback that became flustered the moment they got got to the wing. Uh, Chris Yaron and Sam Doherty uh, were momentary bright sparks in that in that second quarter, but even they uh, got worn down by just the volume of. Uh, turnovers that Carlton were committing. There was just no obvious means to goal. Uh, and the people who you were then kicking to uh, seemed to apply no pressure to the ball once they failed to clunk the spectacular mark they were going for every time. Yeah, well, uh, I think I think the, the interesting thing is that disposal efficiency was not too bad comparatively. Um, mm-hmm. You're looking at 73 as against 76. Um, but you did lead the clangers, whatever that means. I've never understood what that means, but it's a statistic and we do rely on statistics. We think um, it's a mistake. We're going to take it so that it means fuck you, ups. Yeah, you, uh, you've done something horribly wrong. Um, 42-34. Now, that's, that's pretty bad. Um, but the damning, the damning statistic here is your efficiency inside 50 Below 49%, 17 shots from 35 entries. Um, the 35 nine... entries. 35 entries, that's not many. That's not many. That's not many. And West Coast and... had 50. Now, you normally, you get 50 is what you'd be looking for. Um, and they were at 63% and a startlingly better accuracy in front oh. of goal. So, um, 
I know that because because they were generating better chances as well. There were some lucky well, snaps, but ultimately West Coast were generating. Okay, I think we're, we're going to go in. Steep. We're going to go in a bit on this on the game plan um, here later in the show, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is telling that something's going wrong for Carlton. Um, I think it's a combination of a lack of defence and a forward line, and it seems a midfield. Um, now you do have talent uh, throughout the midfield, but you you kind of your spine of the ground ruck defence and forward line don't seem to be working. No, they do not. Mm. Uh, which brings us to uh, the team that's third, well, second in the race for the Spoon mm. uh, and looking mm. really promising in the Spoon mm. race. Uh, and that's the Brisbane Lions. Oh. Now, they got absolutely ruined. <laughs> I didn't I tip uh, them? Why? <laughs> that was a bold, bold choice. Uh, it was a bold <laughs> choice. Um, no, actually, no, I did not tip Brisbane. No, Never mind. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Uh, they uh, they didn't look particularly good. Uh, they had at some... any point. Oh, they looked okay early in the first quarter, much like Carlton did. But um, they and they've got some promising youngsters. But promising youngsters will only get you so far. And they've been promising youngsters for a long time now. I think Justin Lefich has been dealt a pretty hard case to deal with as a as a first year coach and. Or is it even his second year now? I know it's hard to tell when they replace two, a redhead with a redhead as a coach. But mm. they're, they're defensively uh, looking shaky and their forward line's looking pretty inconsistent. Um, Daniel Rich is still on both legs, though, so that's something for them to take away. Well, that is, uh, I mean, that's really the, the light in the darkness for them. Um, it's, you know, they've, they've added in some talent over the, over the course. Laser beams. Of, laser beams. Laser beams and Alan Christensen um, have come in. Uh, but they are a short team. There's no, there's no going around it. They really were exposed against North Melbourne's um, fairly tall forward line. Um, tall and quick. That's the surprising thing for North. Um, Jared Waite's pretty good. Who did he play for? <laughs> Uh, um, look, it remains to be seen whether Jared can stream more than two games together in a row. But he was—he he, he kicked the bag. Um, he, he looked really good. He looked um, the uh, the sort of prototypical lithe athletic centre-half forward that some teams just thirst for uh, and would do anything to keep. Yeah, you got to. I mean, if your best were White, Goldstein, and Zebel, you're pretty happy as the route. That's right. A nice big turnaround. Turns out, um, and this is going to tee us into current leading uh, oh, contender the... for the spoon. But it turns out that if you go and strip the paint off the walls, I think was the phrase. Um, yeah. uh, sometimes you get a result. That's right. You go in there, you yell at them a bit, and guys are like, "Oh, I do want to win." Yeah. Uh, the only thing I think that I want to talk about Brisbane was some exciting news during the week, uh, which emerged mm. while I was still in. Uh, <laughs> as people who listened last week know, I was over in Singapore. And Brisbane might move to Singapore. I would be. Look, I think it was, all I can say is mission accomplished. I, I think your proselytising worked. I was out on the streets telling people about the beautiful game of AFL football mm. and how even the very worst of it's kind of okay. And people thought, "Wow, this guy's unerringly rude and won't leave me alone on the train." But <laughs> Yeah, now, Sam, Sam, can I ask, what what temperature was it in Singapore while you were there? Look, it didn't get below 30 during the day. (laughs) For most days, it was 32 to 35. Seems like prime, prime AFL 
weather. And, uh, Look, and I, at one point I managed to walk 10 kilometers in, over the course of an entire day in Singapore. Mm. And uh, that's pretty much similar to what an AFL player will run during a game. Mm. And drawing that equivalency, then I can say that I was never, I've never been so tired in my life. I was a puddle. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that would be an unmitigated disaster unless they're going to play indoors, I guess, but there's no indoor stadium. Yeah. This is just an ab- absolute piece of insanity. But uh, well, It has off- got them in the news. It's <laughs> got them in the news. It's got their, their, their contract dispute, but surely there are more convincing ways, places that you could suggest to relocate Singapore. <laughs> well, Qatar. So that, oh, well, Singapore's actually a lot further away than people think. It's an eight-and-a-half-hour flight, apparently entirely populated by screaming children. Um, and the... Tell you what, though, it's a lot closer if you're coming from Brisbane. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that is some home ground advantage. Uh, <laughs> if, if if we manage to move a team to Hobart and they have to fly up to Singapore to oh, play, that's going to be. <laughs> Can you? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what we're, that's that's going to need to happen. Uh, AFL, make it happen. That sounds like a disaster. We can get on board. Oh, I think. Um, can you imagine doing the Wellington Singapore turnaround? <laughs> Coaches would love it. Bag. <laughs> Somebody's going to... Heads will roll over that if it comes off. Uh, but let's... I, in, the, in the distance on the other can end just of the ignore, line... There's, no, can uh, just there's ignore, a current, le- there's a current, current leader for the spoon. Oh, it's, it's the Cats of Geelong. Yeah. Uh, now, I watched this game and... <laughs> all of it? Or did you have to turn away at my time? I gardened. Um, <laughs> I may have planted some herbs. Um by the end of the second quarter, I was done. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, I might need some counselling. Um, the, 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 the gates of, of Skilled Stadium have been torn open. Marauding asunder. Marauding purple pirates stormed the ground and have pillaged the citizenry and burnt the factories. <laughs> now, to be fair, we did, we did restrain them to one goal in the fourth quarter. That's pretty good. <laughs> If you can keep that up for four quarters, you if will you be could the ignore best just the third, If you can just ignore what happened in the third quarter, um, actually we don't we don't come off too bad. That is two goals versus three, and then four goals versus four, and then one goal versus one. Um, but you know, there's a reason it's called a purple patch because they they kicked uh, they kicked seven goals one two. Two goals, two in the third quarter, and really just iced it from there. Um, well done to Fremantle. They look pretty dangerous this year. No, that this is not talking enough about your team. No, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> so we heard last week saying, no, our preseason was fine. Uh, care to comment on whether or not you think the preseason was fine now, Chris? I think I made a joke about how, how that was maybe not the right response. Um, <laughs> And, so we um, had it's interesting because we've got the twin coaches, yeah, we uh, do. North we and do. Geelong. Yeah. And I saw uh, actually, I saw Brad looking pretty happy. Say <laughs> it's the first. And um, Brad said he was going to strip the paint off his players, and Chris mm, said, "No, everything's fine." Mm, North came out and destroyed their opponent, and mm, the Cats came out and looked really bad. Yeah, they looked. Um, you've got to be worried, I think. Um, now they were without. Are they uh, gazing on? Are they gazing on a shut window now? You've got to think they're looking through it. The louvers may not be. The louvers may not be fully locked, but in a in a in a surprising 
in a surprising turn of professionalism, I've done some research. Oh, God, yeah. Now, uh, since the formation of the AFL in uh, uh, 1990, mm. uh, do you know how many teams have been last on the ladder after round two and won the premiership? How many? None. <laughs> Good. Uh, do you know any how many times in the last 70 years a team has been last on the ladder? No. And won the premiership? Uh, it's none. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. So, I so can see where I, this is going. What I'm really hoping for is that you look, oh, we're going to look back in time now at some teams mm. that might be of assistance to you. Mm. And we're going to go back to the uh, Carlton team of 1944, mm. uh, who managed to win the premiership despite being last on the ladder after two rounds. Uh, of course, they did manage to beat, they managed to sneak into the top four to make the finals, uh, beating uh, Footscray by 53 points. Footscray were third at the time, and this unceremoniously dumped them out of the finals on percentage. Uh, so this was a real triumph in the age of amateur football uh, as Carlton snuck in to the finals and, and took away the flag. Uh, the other great example that I think you could take real heart from is uh, when Fitzroy won the flag in 1916. Mm. Uh, when they were, in fact, last on the ladder at the end of the regular season and won the premiership. <laughs> of course, 1916, a notable year in world history, <laughs> and particularly in the history of the VFL, because there were only 14. Good. So if Geelong can get some real, you know, they've got the amalgamation of councils going on, uh, Melbourne and Geelong are growing closer together. If you could just merge with sort of 13 other teams... <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> I think we'll make a final four. Um, look, you th to go back in Geelong's recent history, and um, it, it's not since 2004 that they have lost both uh, opening rounds. Now, uh, if I just pull the stats up here, they were on a percentage of 49.1. <laughs> so they're better. They're doing better. If it's a 10-year cycle, yeah. then you're, you're five years away from winning three premierships in seven years. Yeah. Now, um, overall, they did end up finishing fourth. There is hope. Uh, they, <laughs> challenged, they challenged the ultimately successful Brisbane Lions in the preliminary and came really achingly close there. Um, uh, so, you know, it could happen. So you're you're um, saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's none. I'm, I'm saying... Uh, mathematically, don't, well, no, let's, don't, let's lock the, don't lock the window yet, but certainly, um, certainly if, it hasn't, it if it hasn't happened in 70 years, then surely we're due. <laughs> That's how statistics work. <laughs> That's how statistics work. Yeah. So congratulations, Geelong, yeah. uh, winners of the, of the premiership this year, or possibly winners of the spring. Get your tats now. Well, that's that's enough reveling in the glory of your team, miserably miserable position Look, at the bottom of the ladder. Probably, a, I can't honestly say we didn't have it coming. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's what? a real chance that next week uh, it's going to be it's going to be a close race. I suspect between we do uh, play Gold Coast got, next week. You've got um, the so. very miserable looking and co un, uh, uh, unerringly Rodney Eid coached Gold Coast Suns. Mm. Uh, mm. And the Lions have got Richmond at home. That's going to be a bit close. And uh, Carlton have got, got the surprisingly the old enemy. Uh, Essendon. So uh, congratulations, yeah. Carlton, on seasonal lead for the Spain. Yeah, so I think um, that does bring us to our uh, decisive just... indecision for the week, which um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, quote you here, Sam. I'm going to quote, uh, do your quote from 
on Michael Malthouse, who who is going to hold the record for coaching at some point if he survives games, that long. Games coached. Games coached. Um, which is, uh, he said, they made one move. Now, do you want to explain to uh, our listener what that move was? Uh, they tagged Chris Judd. Oh, shocker. Who, uh, <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Yeah, um, me, and in fairness to Vic, that was a really surprising move, and, and it uh, it took it came out of the blue, and uh, we were taken absolutely by surprise. And then just the team, he says the team didn't respond because apparently it's the team's job to come up with the game plan on the fly. Now, I think if I if I look at the uh, at the score sheet here, I'll be able to find the exact minute they they tagged Chris Judd, um, and that would be start of the third quarter. <laughs> No, 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 no. They did tag him at the start of the second quarter. They oh, yes. Rosie came on to him and he, and he yes. held him to seven seven disposals then for the rest of the game. I think seven disposals actually for the rest of the second quarter. And then that was it for the game for Chris. But it was just a distressing game plan to see as a Carlton fan. Uh, it was uh, early on premised on some healthy running off halfback, uh, as I mentioned, between Chris Yaron and Sam Doherty. Mm. They were looking good. There was some movement up forward that was promising. Levi Casbolt was spraying them everywhere. Um, but the the problem came when, when Judd got shut down. Uh, there was no move to say, okay, Chris, you go to the forward line and we'll take Rosa out of the game then. Rosa's no. not a defender. You can mark the ball and you can kick. You'll be a threat down there. Uh, instead, they stuck with the big clunkers up there. Uh, when West Coast started, he does know his way around the goals, Chris. I have seen him kick. Yeah, he can. Um, he can kick it. He, he's enough of a threat on the lead and scrapping around packs to to be a threat down there. Um, and you've got other midfielders you can cycle through at that point. Why not try Chris Yaron in the middle for half a quarter? Mm-hmm. Um, you can then even see the complete coaching failure and the inability of this team to, to understand what's going on at the end of the second quarter when there was about 30 seconds to go and Josh Kennedy manages to mark one out against Lockie Henderson, who'd been thrown onto him mm. in a fit as Mick gave up on his ability to match up on Josh Kennedy that quarter. Uh, and he kicks a goal at pretty much at the siren uh, to really say, to really put a stamp on the match. And that should just never happen. It just should never happen. No. For, for a team to be so confused about what's going on to say, hey, let's man up and get play a two-person defensive strategy on this key forward that West Coast are looking at. Uh, instead, he persisted in trying to have these overmatched players succeed when they weren't when they don't have the talent to do so. Lockie Henderson's barely played fullback in his career. He's played a bit of centre-half back, but he hasn't played key forward fullback. No. And he certainly hasn't played that at a foreign ground, and he's he's not. I don't think Nick is putting his players in a position to succeed, and that's just distressing to see. And it's not fair. It's not fair on them because they end up uh, uh, wearing it from the fans when really the problem starts up in that coach's box, where the uh, league record holder for games lost is making the decisions that that lead to him holding those kind of records. Yeah, it, and- was, it was it was mixed three hundredth loss, by the way, and uh, <laughs> what a way to ring it up. It was damning um, because they really did not try anything. Um, no. He didn't try to save the game, didn't seem to really try to limit the damage on the scoreboard, um, and then made a series of comments post-match that, um, look, at least he didn't bite the head off the media like he would have in years past, but they were perplexing, Sam. Um, he, he said that they're not a team that can attract uh, talent 
because they're a middling to lower team, brought middling to lower by um, <laughs> the decisions they were, they, they and effort finish. made to date. But they did they did finish fifth on the ladder in their not absolutely distant past. Yeah, <laughs> um, and they do have a long and storied history. Um, they do hold the equal record, I think, for number of premierships ever won. So it's not like um, they're the doggies. Uh, the doggies have managed. Um, the to... doggy, doggies somehow managed to attract, attract a dominating key forward. Yep. Uh, and and yet Carlton, he's there saying that Carlton can't attract free agents. Well, I, I hey, there was yeah, and... it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear that there was actually anyone that we were going after in the off season. Mm. Second, instead, we were pretty focused on getting rid of potentially helpful free agents. Like it, it may have been some assistance last night to have Jared Waite and Jeff Garlett running around out there. Seems like they might have helped a bit, or even Mitch Robinson hurling himself into packs and putting a bit of. <laughs> You know, aggro. Endangering enemies and teammates alike. But that the team needed that to a certain degree. There they needed did. to be someone who was going to like rip Matthew Pritis to the ground and not let him get his hands away for an easy hand pass. Yeah. Uh, and actually keep trying even when the game was getting out of reach. So I don't believe that. But secondly, it's wrong in it's wrong in fact in that they attracted Dale Thomas effectively at his insistence. Mm. Uh, he has his hand in every decision that goes in at Carlton. And if you think a player is going to be sufficiently helpful in free agency, then you pay them the amount of money that's going to come. And all that says is that he thinks he's such a good coach he can get by with this random assortment of tall-ish utility players like Simon White and uh, uh, Everett and uh, and that these players will be uh, Malthouse players who he can, you know, use them flexibly around the ground and kick up the boundary line uh, as if it's still the early 2000s. It... it uh, I am offended. Uh, I think it's offensive to to fans to get out there and say that you haven't made a mistake in the coaching of the team when you've just been absolutely played off the park. I think it was a a, a real real uh, insight into the fact that he's probably just playing out the line here and he'll happily take his record for number of games coached and and go off into the sunset. At the moment, I I think that Carlton would be very well served to start looking elsewhere. Well, I think they need to, um, and it's 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 hard to be upbeat and humorous about it because this was a team that were um, they did have a decent chunk of talent on the field. They were pushing into the eight. Um, it uh, it's disappointing to see how far yeah. they've fallen, and you wonder whether that's um, a combination of, of fairly long term injuries um, to some very good players, uh, Walker and Cruiser. Yeah. But it can't just be on them. No. I think that I think it falls to um, their coaching and recruiting teams more than it necessarily does to the players on the field. And I, I think there was a number of players out there who did put their best effort in. I think that uh, there's some players there who, like Mark Murphy, didn't have a good game, and you know, but it can't, it can't all come down to one. It can't, I think like there's there is some building blocks at Carlton that are fun to watch as a team. Uh, I think I'd rather watch a team that was, you know just running around, you know, Matthew Knight's era, Essendon conceding 160 but scoring 140 mm. uh, and at least giving the giving the kids a run. Instead, we're this weirdly old conservative team that's dourly plodding through, uh, hoping to reach for 11th. We, we thought coming into the season that Carlton weren't going to be much good, and this is really just being borne out. I, I, I'm looking forward to next week uh, to watching Chris Yaron get the ball because that's just an exciting moment. Uh, as a football fan, uh, he's a uh, he's a beautiful user user of the football, except for the occasional kick out. But he's a uh, he's a real highlight for Carlton fans so far. Yeah, well, I think 
otherwise it's going to be a pretty um it's going, it's going to be, be it's going to be a long <laughs> it's going to be a long season and uh listener you're going to be here to revel in it mm, mm. well that yeah so given uh given the uh the appalling display let's let's talk about sam where are you going to be in september <laughs> Well, seeing as I'm not going to be in the finals, I think it's really time that we start talking about what are the options for the football fan with a team that looks disastrously bad. And here's the thing. Here's the little secret that our obsessive desire to follow AFL football has kept away from us. The world's a great place in September. The Northern Hemisphere's autumn is just really settling in in a, mm. in a really comfy way. Mm. And uh, that's where I'm headed. I'm headed up to a wood cabin in Vermont with no TV or radio access. <laughs> Potentially with padded walls and a voodoo doll with Mick Malthouse's face on it. But wow. otherwise, I'll, I'll be up there as the leaves turn orange as I think of nothing but the, and I stay away from the ocean and I think I don't even have to think or consider the colour blue for the summer, for the summer to come. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a, not a bad move. You can breathe the fresh air. You can go for some nice walks. You can and, learn to become more accepting of your place in the universe. If a if a fan screams about Mick Malthouse in the forest and no one hears him, does it does it really happen? <laughs> I'm going to try and find out. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I have done the the, the September holiday. That's uh, right. You went you went away last year. I did um, because I knew exactly what was going to happen to Geelong. Um, I also knew uh, I got a scoreline update before they shut the doors on the plane against <laughs> North Melbourne, and went, oh, we're doing all right. And then I got off the plane and went. What happened? Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I do recommend uh, San Sebastian that time of year. It's it's a beautiful little town in Spain. Um, the views of the, the Pacific, um, or is it just the Atlantic? The views of the, views <laughs> of the Atlantic. See, if you can see the Pacific can, from there, you are doing very well. Get um, off Nick Natanui's back. Yeah. Um, no, it, is, it does have some lovely views of the Atlantic. You can watch the fishermen uh, head out for the morning. As you stroll around, it's, it's Double Bay. Um, there's the there's the San Sebastian Film Festival uh, on at that time of year. Um, so you can sit in a dark room and cry and no one's yes, going to notice. And you'll say it's, you'll say it's you, because of the, the journey, journey to adulthood you've just watched. <laughs> um, gin and tonic the size of a fishbowl <laughs> for <laughs> not very much money. Um, so, dear so, sports fan, uh, I think uh, you've got some good options there, either quiet solitude or drunken revelry. Uh, it's it's a great place to be in September. Mm, mm. Um, we should just briefly take a look at the round ahead just to say, well, what's going to happen well, in the race before for the we, Before week? we do that, we do, we, we do need to update our listener on the, uh, the leaderboard for the Rhodes Goal Kicking Scholarship. Oh, this is fantastic stuff to hear about, Chris. Yeah. Uh, who's who's taking home the points this week? Well, we've got a we've got a smorgasbord of contenders this week because um, everybody was inaccurate. I think <laughs> it was not it wasn't a great it wasn't a great example of the goal kicking that we've come to know in the game. No, no. Uh, so unlike last week where we had just the six across the uh, across the <laughs> spread, um, this week I would like to introduce you to your uh, your eight new contenders. <laughs> Um, and they so are all they... new contenders, so that's that's pretty. Oh, good. good. So mm. we're keeping it close. So mm. let's just run it off from uh, who 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 was the worst, and just give us their their accuracy percentage for the week. Well, let's let's start with um with uh, equal split for third here um, amongst uh, amongst six six players. Um, 
Jeremy Cameron. He's, uh, he's, you know what? You know what the problem was? He hand passed. That was the whole issue. Oh he had God. five hand passes. No. Unbelievable, Where's Jeremy. My, I've got to go, I'm going to have to go get $5 out. <laughs> It'll be in the letterbox. Listener, go and get the money from Chris. Yeah, $5. Oh, that is... Uh, right. uh, Jeremy Cameron has passed in 2015 and it was a disaster. So he's there. What did he kick? He kicked 1-1 one, one and 2 incomplete. Uh, 25% accuracy. Not a good day for Jeremy. Not a good day. Who else is there? Um, we've also got Hayden Ballantyne. Well, as I like to call him Bolo Twine. Uh, uh, just because... Bolo, um, Bolo Twine's getting lost in a draw for two weeks by the looks of it. Yeah, does it? Oh, my. He's lucky to get two. Uh, that was... How does, uh, how does he not have a worse record? How isn't it just know. two weeks of being Hayden Ballantyne? Usually because he's the one being punched. That's true. He's, yeah. a, good, he's a good second responder. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yep. Yeah, uh, and then we've got um, Harley Bennell. So, so he was also 25%? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Harley Bennell of... Uh, uh, who does he play for again? Uh, the Gold Coast. Gold oh, Coast. He's, the... he's kicked one three. So, <laughs> um, good work, Harley. Again, twenty five percent. Andreas Everett of your. <laughs> oh, he was terrible. Yeah, uh, one two one incomplete. Yeah, the 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 out on the full when we would have allowed us to score in the second quarter uh, is particularly un- <laughs> unfortunate. Well, I think it would have made a difference. Let's be fair, no, Andreas. No, but it would have been nice to score that quarter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> big boy, mummy. Uh, Sean uh, Mumford has uh, has joined the joined the tally. Uh, one one two incompletes. Don't give it to the ruckman. Just <laughs> as a rule, no, four four shots for a ruckman is is too many shots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ben Griffiths, <laughs> the big leg from from Richmond. Yeah, he's 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 equaled Mummy's tally. All right, that does bring us to uh, Jared Garlett of the the Gold Coast. Oh, another another son. Yeah, another son. And another Jay Garlett, who um, has also kicked one three, but also one incomplete. Um, That's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. So he's on four. He's got his, he's, he's locked in four points there. Um, and uh, now the leaderboard, the leader this week will shock you. Um, and it ends up the leader for the, uh, the competition. Um, that would be one Jay Schultz. Of the of the Port Adelaide Power, who I think was the most accurate forward in the it competition. Turns, it turns out that goal kicking might be subject to arbitrary <laughs> Wins, variant. Yes. But uh, let's not talk about that. Uh, other than the fact that Jack Gunston apparently can't miss. Yes. <laughs> if um, you're not Jack Gunston, then yes, you're subject to random variants. Uh, now he's kicked one, two. He's kicked one goal and two behinds, but three incompletes. <laughs> That's not a good job. For an accuracy yeah. of, of 20%. Um, That's not a good job, Jay. No. So he is now leading all comers uh, in, the, in the race for the Rhodes. For the Rhodes goal-kicking scholarship, mm. which, as a reminder, you actually have to kick a goal to be eligible for. It's goal-kicking. Goal it's yeah. not just kicking yeah. out goal. We did get an email from one uh, motivated listener. Uh, I'm assuming that's you, dear listener, who sent in... Uh, a bit of statistics for us. Thank you for doing some research. To note that the all-time record um, for goals missed and uh, points scored is held by um, one one Roger Dean of Richmond, who who kicked um, zero goals and eight behinds in round eight, nineteen seventy-two. <laughs> 
So he's obviously got a very compelling kick it to me, kick it to me, I'm open. If you jump up and down at 53 metres out, <laughs> you'll frequently end up with the ball, but you've then got to do something with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. now they did... Um, we can hope that someone will get to that level of glory this year. Oh, I, reckon I, someone... do, I reckon that's a special mention. If, they, if you can be that inaccurate over the course of the game... Uh, Levi, Levi Casbolt could do that. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, in that game, the Tigers kicked 11 goals, 25 points for the game, um, which means his teammates still booted 11 and 17. Um, that's not terrible. It's not, it's not too bad. It's about, but... it's about how well the Suns went this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the... Uh, the Hawks, who were the, they were playing, kicked thirteen six, which pretty good. But um, the Tigers did still manage to win. Look, if you've got a player who's getting eight shots at goal, you're doing something right. He's doing something wrong if he's only kicking eight behinds, but you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. So um, good, good work there, Roger Dean. Good work, everybody in the race for the roads. Um. So Chris, let's take a brief look ahead mm. to next week. We've hinted at some of this already. There's some real. Uh, really important clashes in the spoon race coming up. Mm. Uh, Geelong and the Suns really have surely got to be the That's pickers. Shaping, and that is shaping to be a uh, fumble town. Of... Uh, it's in it's in skilled. Uh, we'll see if Gold Coast managed to navigate their way down there. Well, they won't find it because you do. The smoking, the smoking rubble might yeah. be a bit hard to play on. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, other, the other important game um, here, which could get, um, Pretty pretty ugly. It's um, Adelaide Melbourne. Yeah, look, Melbourne have got a win, so they may not make it all the way down into the cellar. But Chief, does Adelaide look good? <laughs> There's a reason. Uh, yeah, they um, they really romped at home this week, and uh, against it's a not bad Colling- opposition. Collingwood's okay, but they're not great. But no, but yeah, Collingwood and Kilda Mel- may may shape as an important game also. If Melbourne get beaten and and Port Adelaide and Geelong manage to put some wins on the board, then they could come as come and join us down in the cellar. It's been a fine vintage so far, listener, uh, and we look forward to talking to you personally next week. Mm. Now I'm going to try coin another another catchphrase here. It was not good last week. No, no, I'm hoping it's it's going to be not as not as good this week, um, which is uh, keep keep reaching for the light. Let's try again next week, Chris. Let's try again next week. Good.